Welcome to Factor Magri, dedicated to New Zealand's agriculture industry. Each week, I talk with farmers and industry professionals to hear their stories and expert opinions on various industry-related matters that are relevant to both our farming and our urban communities. Let's take a quick look at the beef and lamb markets. Typically, this time of year, we see beef prices start to trend down, but we are seeing a slight stabilisation in prices as we head into the week starting 25th January 2021. North Island processors are reportedly on track with their summer kill, which is making it easier to get cattle booked in. And as backlogs are cleared, prices should remain stable. The only thing to consider is that exporters facing headwinds due to ongoing pandemic-related supply chain issues may increase product availability to the domestic market. Pasture covers across most parts of the country are good following rainfall over recent weeks. Canterbury is reporting good feed and moisture levels. Hawke's Bay has held on well also. Some pressure is starting to build in the Wairarapa and Northland, and both of these regions could do with rain. In both the North and South Islands, Bull and Prime are fetching the same amount at processing. $4.90 a kilogram in the North and $4.60 a kilogram in the South Island, respectively. From a store price perspective, and with plenty of grass in some places, there has been strong competition over a limited supply of cattle. South Island traditional yearling steers and bull prices increased last week, and further upside is expected this coming week. In the paddock, a 380kg yearling bull is trading at around $2.60 per kilogram live weight in the north, and $2.30 per kilogram in the south. A two-year-old 500kg traditional steer is trading at $2.70 per kilogram in the north and $2.35 per kilogram in the south. Taking a look at lamb, in the last couple of weeks lamb slaughter prices have dropped by around 10 cents per kilogram in both islands. In the North Island, this resulted in lambs earning $6.50 per kilogram at the processors last week and $6.40 per kilogram in the South Island. As I mentioned, there are good pasture levels in many areas and this coupled with softer farm gate lamb returns, many farmers are choosing to hold on to lambs in an attempt to swing pricing in their favour. Lambs trading as stores are reaching around $3 per kilogram live weight. With limited stock available, due to good feed covers in general, prices are holding up relatively firm. Farmers have to deal with a lot of things, and of course, weather is a big part of that. Recently, in the Nelson region, hail devastated many crops. In this episode, I'm talking with Richard Kempthorne, who is the chair of the Rural Support Trust for the Top of the South, to get his take on the recent hail event in the region. Let's check in with him now. Hello Richard, and Happy New Year to you. And the same to you. Did you manage some time with family and friends at all? Uh, Yes, we did. We had um, family and our youngest grandchild down from Tauranga for a few days, so that was really nice, but it was a very nice time over Christmas New Year. Great to hear. I understand you chair the Top of the South Rural Support Trust, is that correct? Yep, that's quite right. And that covers from uh, the Clarence River in Marlborough, through Marlborough, Nelson, Tasman, across to the west coast, down to Marawea. So it's quite a large area. As well as being a key member of the Rural Support Trust, what involvement have you had in the primary sector over the years? 
Well, we bought our own orchard in Appleby in 1980, and we owned that until 2001. Um, and during that time, I became more involved uh, representing growers at various things. I was a director on the Fruit Growers Federation. One of the things we did, uh, it became quite clear as we went through that time that there was a decreasing number of uh, local people uh, for um, seasonal jobs and an increasing crop to harvest. And so and so we increasingly went through the working holiday visa scheme. I think we ended up with tens of thousands of people, from young people from overseas traveling. And it's a great way for them to see the world, earn a bit of money and actually help in the harvest. And we also progressively went into uh, bringing in people from the Pacific. And that was before the start of the recognized seasonal employer scheme, which we've got now. So that's been going for years. And so it's been quite critical to have enough people for the harvest to uh, engage with those from overseas. So that, apart from hail, is one of the critical things that's uh, engaging the uh, horticulture sector and government departments. Mm. And how has COVID affected uh, the Nelson Marlborough region in terms of staff? Um, I think generally for horticulture, it was it was an increased um, management function to be able to keep people in their bubbles while doing the harvesting in particular. Um, but it was manageable. And so we were very fortunate compared to many. So while we were in lockdown, you could the horticulture operations were still going. Of course, if we had had uh, an outbreak of COVID in the region, it could have significantly impacted shed operations because you just have to have one person and then everyone in that bubble uh, goes into lockdown. So we were very fortunate that we had very little impact in the region. Mm. And I understand there's been some crop damage due to hail in places in the top of the south. Yes, there has. We did have a very significant hailstorm that particularly affected the Motueka area. Um, there was some horrendous damage on certain orchards and certain parts of it. In, in addition to the orchards, there was some in, in Motueka, some of the businesses, um, the hail came down, blocked the spouting, and so any rain or moisture went straight into the roof. So there was some quite significant damage in uh, businesses as well. But for the growers, uh, they are now coming to terms with significant impact. It is quite varied as hail always is. So mm. it's not to say that we've lost the Nelson crop because we haven't, but some growers have been very badly affected and it'll be a huge struggle for them. So what financial impact has this damage had on both individual growers and indeed industry as a whole in the region? Well, the figure that I've heard mentioned, and it's only a best guess, I think, at this stage, is about an impact of about $100 million, um, potentially. So the horticulture sector is has an effect, a positive effect on our um, domestic economy of about 450 million. So that takes in apples, kiwi fruit, uh, grapes, hops, um, vegetable crops, glass houses. They're not all impacted, um, but some of them are. So that is a, uh, quite a significant impact, particularly on the uh, growers in the Motueka area, not just that area, but in particular there. 
and also the Motueka economy will be quite adversely affected by this. Certainly will. What about the social implications? This, of course, is relevant. Loss of income puts enormous strain on the family environment and the ability to meet commitments. Well, it does. And again, it's quite varied. And you probably, for every orchard, there will be a different impact. Some Mm. people have uh, hail insurance. Kiwi fruit growers, there's a compulsory scheme uh, run by the New Zealand uh, Kiwi fruit growers uh, incorporated and also Zespri. So that helps them. It's not a big income, but it just does take some of the uh, major loss out of it. In the apple industry, there is hail insurance available and it depends on your orchard what you insure. People tend to insure the higher higher valued crops. Um, It is very expensive. If you you have insurance and you're 65% damaged or more, then you get a total payout on that. But in many cases, it's less than that. So uh, you get less of an income from insurance and you have to pay significantly more managing the crop to to recover what you can so it does it will have a major impact on some growers and it will have a lesser impact on others but anybody who has hail it's quite significant Uh, so it's just important to think that so if if we think about uh, an urban job or many jobs that people have you're paid week or fortnightly or monthly in this case growers uh, receive their income annually so you do all of the work and then you get your income over three to four months uh, this will have a major impact on them so if they're if they have a, a significant loss for that whole year it takes another six months or two years before they're really having done the work on the next year's crop and starting to get the income from it so it's majorly significant. If you've got growers that are well set up financially, then they can uh, weather that storm. There will be some who have a reasonable debt level, which is much more challenging. So I think the most important thing for growers is who are affected is first of all, to get the uh, horticultural consultants in to have a look at the crop, help work out what to do, because the biggest challenge is knowing what do I need to do with what I've got left? and also to talk with your financial advisor and your bank um, representative. It's critical to discuss the financial implications with the bank. Indeed. Could this be catastrophic for some growers? It could be for some growers, but again, it's really important what happens now. So this happened on Boxing Day, and what is happening now is people are looking and saying, what should we do? And it's just important to take their time and just to work through the implications, get all the advice they can and work out what to do and then apply it. It's really helpful for people, even though they're going to be facing this horrible looking crop uh, or potentially for for, uh, several months. Once you know what to do and what steps to take, it's really helpful uh, mentally to know, actually that's where I need to focus. Mm. And of course, supply will be down in many cases. Will this have an impact at the supermarket checkout for consumers? I don't think it will have a great impact because we do have various suppliers throughout the country. And some of the local market suppliers that we have locally will probably be supplying supermarkets through the South Island. Um, so, th- but of, And of course, with hail, there will be more 
second grade fruit which can't be exported but is still really good fruit mm. so potentially there will be more available in the supermarket and for local supply hail aside slightly for a minute what about water levels in the region are you having a typical year in the top of the south uh, not really. I think, as in many cases, we're not quite like Southland, which have had a deluge of water and they're really struggling with too much. But we have had quite a good spring with continual uh, rain. It's probably moister than the average, although it's really difficult to know what an average season is. They all differ. Um, so water level and supply is okay at the moment. Mm. Normally, if we were going to have a, a drought, we'd be really starting to move into rationing by now, mm -hmm. and that hasn't happened yet. And as we move on through February and beyond, uh, we tend to start to um, just gradually reduce the amount of irrigation that's required. So, so moisture is okay. It's certainly dried out a lot since uh, Christmas um, and it was very moist before that, but we're actually not too bad a situation. So your current trajectory, you may get to autumn having a fairly, a fairly decent season, obviously hail aside. Yeah, hail aside, if you're looking at moisture levels, it probably looks manageable at this stage. That's probably the best way of summarising yeah. that. Yeah. Now... Our urban friends might not think about how adverse weather impacts our farmers and growers, both economically and social. What message have you got for our urban friends around this? I think for urban friends, if you have a job in town, you tend not to understand how the urban economy and uh, income and what the, the business people running orchards and farms have, which tends to be much more seasonal, and that season can be annually. And so this can have a major impact on people, and I think the biggest thing that uh, people, either urban or rural, can do is look out for your rural friends, and if people have been adversely imp uh, impacted by anything, just support them, because that's the biggest thing they need. They'll be working through... Uh, what they need to do but to have that support and know there is some empathy and understanding makes a huge difference um, as I said before insurance if you're looking at house insurance it's easy to get uh, you know what you need to do and various people make choices on that but uh, insurance for um, orchard crops is quite a bit more challenging more expensive and it's not a straightforward thing so just understand that uh, rural people may be going through a really difficult situation. I think also for rural people supporting rural people. Mm. We do have the Top of the South Rural Support Trust, mm. and it is there uh, to give supports to anybody uh, in the rural area who are going through any sort of difficulty. We've got an 0800 number, which is uh, 0800 787 254. I would really encourage people, if they're struggling, <clears throat> to actually phone up and just be able to talk to someone find out someone you can talk to and work through the issues that you face and i have come to realize that that's quite an important thing yourself when there's something traumatic going on is actually seek outside support because it can be really helpful richard i believe we need good workable policy for our primary sector do you think policymakers are getting things right currently i think the with the uh, fruit industry in hail, the uh, 
um, there's been a lot of thought given by government departments about what support can be given, and I'm particularly encouraged by that. Um, we've got a, um, a, a business advice fund that is available through the Rural Support Trust also, and that's to provide support for those that are really, whose businesses are in jeopardy, who need to um, pull in advice from consultants or financial advisors. But there is other help being looked at as well. Um, so I think is, there's been quite good support. I think growers would really welcome assistance with um, staff because if they've been badly affected, the thing growers is really weighing on their minds is how can we support our permanent staff? Because the permanent staff we've got, they've got a lot of expertise, they've got real good value and growers want to support them as much as possible. So if there's any support that can be given, I know that's been considered. I don't know what decisions have been made. But if I look at some of the uh, freshwater reforms, that's been particularly problematic for farmers. So I, I, I think some of that has been um, potentially over the top. If we look at our area, we've got really good water quality, but some of the obligations on farmers are quite significant. We've uh, the government make the policy, they hand it to councils to implement, and I'm going to be working with the councils and farmers to just try and work out the impl implications of that so that it's as workable as possible. But it is a real challenge. It's so easy to be in Wellington setting policy that doesn't quite fit or is quite an obligation potentially for the, the benefit that we've got. So sometimes it's good, sometimes I think it's it's a bit over the top. Mm. Are you optimistic for the future of our primary industry? It is, yeah. after all, very important to New Zealand's economy, especially now through COVID and our tourism industry is essentially, well, certainly our inbound tourism is zero. Yeah, I think it's, I'm really optimistic for the future. We've got great industries. So if we look at horticulture, farming, forestry, uh, locally, uh, and also the seafood industry. We are very fortunate in the top of the south with the industries that we've got. Um, they've got we've got people in there running businesses. They're, they're smart people. They've got high levels of expertise. From time to time, there are major stresses like this, but uh, they're quite resilient to working through those. So I think we are well set up for the future. And I know that in the top of the south and particularly Tasman and Nelson, probably the same in Marlborough, where we have um, several different industries, primary industries that all run fairly well. One might be down, but the others are running well. And so that gives a certain buffer within our economy. So I'm really encouraged for the future. I think we've got great industries run well uh, and we just all need to celebrate that and help where we can. Thank you very much for your time today, Richard. I really appreciate it. That's a pleasure, Angus. I really, uh, it's good to be with you. Thank you to Richard Kempthorne for his thoughts. In his best estimate, this hail event in the Nelson region could cost growers $100 million. Horticulture has a positive effect on the local economy of around $450 million. That is a significant number given the Nelson-Tasman region has a GDP of $5.2 billion. The losses incurred by growers, which is in the region of $100 million, will have a big impact on many. Of course, some will be insured 
but for the ones that are not insured, they have had their incomes for the year decimated and they will have to wait for another year to receive any pay. Put yourself in their shoes. Consider your job that pays you fortnightly or monthly. Now think about no pay for the next 12 months. Some may not survive and some will be forced to increase debt levels. Either way, this has real implications for farming families in the Nelson region. If you know someone that has been impacted by this event in the Nelson region, please reach out to them, check in and help any way that you can. Thank you for listening and catch you next time on Factor Magri.